Life is filled with moments, and to help encourage powerful moments with the Lord each and every day, Dr. David Jeremiah has written a new book called Moments with God. This beautiful year-long devotional makes a wonderful companion to your personal Bible study. When you give a generous gift of $120 or more to Turning Point, you'll receive a Moments with God devotional four-pack, one for you and three to share. Donate online at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. This world can be pretty seductive with all its luxuries and conveniences. But don't get too comfortable. As a Christian, this world is not your home. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah reminds believers of the importance of staying laser-focused on heaven, your true and eternal home. To introduce today's timely message, God loves you and wants you with him forever. Here's David. Well, thank you for joining me today. This is Turning Point. I'm David Jeremiah. Uh, I'm recording these messages uh, as we head toward the Christmas holidays. And um, I remember what it's been like to be separated from my parents while I was in seminary. And uh, my kids are all here in Southern California with me now. And now we're going through the separation of our grandchildren who are spread all over the place. I talked to my granddaughter this week, who's in Grand Rapids, and they have a big snowstorm there, and we're hoping we can get her home for Christmas. She and her husband are visiting with his family, supposed to be here on Christmas Eve, and oh, how awful it will be if they can't make it, because she's the highlight of the party often. Uh, I'm just reminded about how much, as parents, we want our kids to be with us, how much we want to be with our parents. And did you know that's true of God? God wants you to be with him. I I never will forget the day I began to see all of those scriptures, one right after the other. Uh, He's going to prepare a place for us. And why did he do that? So that where he is, there we may be with him also. God wants us to be with him. Are you going to be with God forever? He wants you to be. And today we're going to learn about that as we turn in our Bibles once again uh, to the New Testament. And as we ask ourselves this question, how can I be sure that I will be with God forever. During the month of uh, January, we are trying to build your spiritual strength and your library with a book called Heaven Rules. How easily two little words can fill our whole lives with anxiety and fear, but there's a two-word answer for every two-word worry, and here's the word, Heaven Rules. The Bible says that God is personally, purposefully involved in all that's taking place on earth. He's reigning over each tear and scar and crisis and conflict. And when we experience distress, we can find refuge by looking upward and letting his peace rule our hearts. Using the book of Daniel as a guide, Nancy DeMoss reveals how seeing our lives and our world through the lens of heaven's rule shields us from panic and gives us hope. If you're going through a time like many are of wondering what in the world is going on on this earth and where do I fit into this and how am I supposed to survive all this, you need to have this book, and I want you to have it. I'll make it easy for you. Send a gift of any size to Turning Point during the month of January. That's all you have to do. And ask for your copy of the book, Heaven Rules. Now, please do what you can to help us. I mean, this is not just uh, something we do uh, every month because we always do it. No, we need your help. We need you to stand with us and support what we're doing. Your sacrificial gifts, your generous gifts, and your every gift makes it possible for us to keep teaching the Word of God around the world as we have been doing now for almost 50 years. 
Thank you for standing with us, and please receive this as our way of saying thank you for your investment. It's Nancy DeMoss's book, Heaven Rules, yours today for a gift of any size. Okay, here we go. God wants you with Him forever. Did you know that? As I look back over my life, I have a mental picture of every house or apartment that I have ever lived in. Beginning with the house my parents lived in when I was born in Toledo, Ohio, to my present location in California, I can picture every single one of those places. Altogether, I have lived in 15 different homes, and I can recall something special about each one. But you know, there are two of the 15 that are more special than the others, and I remember them with much greater clarity. Uh, First was my home in Cedarville, Ohio, where my brother and my two sisters and I grew up together as a family. And the other is the house where we moved to San Diego and we reared our family there, our two boys and our two girls. And those two places are really, they're above and beyond the other places where we've lived. They were more important to us because they were more than just dwelling places. These were centers of activity and personal interaction, not just between the members of our family, but all the people that came and went and all the friends that we have that have been in those homes, the people that we have loved and wanted to be with have been in those houses, and for that reason, they're sacred to us. When my siblings and I became adults and we began our own journeys in life, obviously we moved out of our parents' house, but we never stopped going back. In fact, at Christmas and during vacation days, we would find our way back home. When Don and I were in Dallas, Texas, and I was a graduate student at Dallas Seminary, on at least three occasions that we can remember, we would come home from work on Friday night and look at each other and say, let's go home. And we'd get in our car. At that time, I had a white Chevrolet convertible with a red top. And we'd get in that car, and we'd drive from Dallas, Texas to Cedarville, Ohio. But I remember it's 1,051 miles one way. And we'd drive there straight through so we could spend about eight hours at home and then get in the same car and drive back so we didn't miss class or work on Monday. You say, that's crazy. Yeah, it is. It's crazy, but it illustrates the fact that home is like a magnet. If you have a home, you want to go home as much as you can. We were homesick. We wanted to go home. Today, we are a nation of nomads. I don't know if you know that or not, but on the average, we make 11.7 moves during a lifetime. Something within us, however, always looks back. Even now, when I go back to Cedarville, Ohio, which I do on occasion, I find a way to drive by that house where I grew up. I just want to see that it's still there. There's something about that that makes you feel good when you see the house where you grew up. And I sense that today the house we have is like that for our children. And I want to remind them that we have no intentions of downsizing in that home very soon. We're going to stay there as long as we can. Well, the Bible tells us that we all have at least one more move. Did you know that? One more house to live in that we haven't lived in yet. And we don't know when that's going to happen. But the Bible says one day we're going to go to heaven. And in John 14, my favorite name for heaven is listed. You know what it is? Here it is. It's called the Father's house. That's the name for heaven in John 14. Say that with me. The Father's house. That's where we're going to go. One of these days, we're going to move in to the Father's house. This picture of heaven as the Father's house is given to us to remind us 
that one day soon we're going to be with the one we love and the ones that we love in the Father's house. How many of you know that when you love somebody, you want to be with them? Have you noticed when a couple falls in love, they're inseparable? You know, they're just with each other all the time. And if you stay in love, that's the way it is throughout all your life. Don and I have been very few times when we've been separated. When our children grew up and moved out, we started going everywhere together. And Donna travels with me all over the country. Here's the deal. The unvarnished truth is I love her and I want to be with her. That's how it works. When you love somebody, you want to be with them. Amen? And here's the incredible news. God says he wants to be with us. He wants us to be with him. In fact, if you go through the New Testament, you will see this little phrase salted into the language of the New Testament over and over again. For instance, in that passage in John 14, I mentioned the end of the verse says that Jesus is preparing this house so that where he is, there we may be also. Have you ever noticed that? He wants us to be where he's going to be. John 17, 24, Jesus in his high priestly prayer prays this, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am. Jesus wants us to be with him. When he gave his assurance to the thief on the cross, do you remember what he said to him? He said, today you will be with me in paradise. How many of you know God wants us to be with him? Jesus wants us to be with him. Paul explained it in his own death, and he said this, we are confident, yes, we'll please rather to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. When he wrote to the Philippians, he said, I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. You see how this keeps reoccurring over and over? God wants us to be with him. And after he teaches us about the rapture, at the end of the verse in 1 Thessalonians 4, he gives us this little caveat, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Speaking of heaven, have you noticed that hardly anybody talks about it anymore? Someone said, you know, we talk about eschatology, we don't talk about heaven. (laughs) Why don't we talk about heaven? Because we're so enamored with earth. We're so enamored with all the stuff we have down here. We can't get our eyes off of it. Every year I go to Louisville and I speak there to the Southern Gospel Music Conference, the Quartet Convention. And there's a lot of folks that go to that, and I always say pretty much the same thing somewhere in the time that I'm there, that I want them to know how grateful I am because they have preserved the music of heaven. Nobody else writes music about heaven except country and western people and southern gospel. We have forgotten it. We don't write hymns about it. We don't write worship choruses about it. We have become so earthly-minded, we don't want to worry about heaven. Often people tell me they don't understand why we should be concerned about heaven. I mean, after all, if you're all heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Have you heard that? In other words, if you're thinking about the streets of gold in heaven, you forget about the potholes in the streets of El Cajon. That's kind of what they're saying. But C.S. Lewis answered that question pretty definitively in his classic Mere Christianity. Here's what he said. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next world. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become ineffective in this world. 
Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you don't get either one. And he's right. Heaven is real and our heavenly father and his son Jesus Christ are there and they're making things ready for our eternal home. I often tell people, can you imagine how beautiful heaven is going to be? The Lord Jesus spent six days creating the earth as we see it now. He's been working on heaven for how many years? It's going to be quite a fantastic place. So since he wants us to be with him where he is, let me tell you a little bit about that place. First of all, heaven is the ultimate residence. It's the place of ultimate residence. In the Bible, we're told in John chapter 14 that in this place are many mansions. I read about a law firm that sent flowers to an associate in another city. They were celebrating the opening of a new office. And through some mix-up, the card that accompanied the floral piece read, Deepest Sympathy. When the florist was informed of his mistake, he let out a cry of alarm. Good heavens, he said. The card that went with the flowers to the funeral home said, Congratulations on your new location. (laughs) That's the point I want to make. We have a new location, don't we? Almighty God has provided a new location for us. It's the ultimate residence. And it's where our Heavenly Father is. Psalm says, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. Now, I know you know a lot of folks, as I do, who talk about heaven kind of in an imaginary way. They think about heaven as an imaginary place. They put their tongue in their cheek and they smile knowingly and they say, well, you know, if you need it, heaven is there. Heaven's a human invention, a never-never land, a realm of dreams, not to take it seriously. But I'm here to tell you today that heaven is not a figment of our imagination. It is not a feeling or an emotion. Heaven is not the beautiful isle of somewhere. Heaven is not merely a thought form. It's not a projection of the best in each of us. In heaven, we are going to experience the presence of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And heaven is a location far more real than where you presently live. It is a real place where God lives. It is the real place from which Christ came into this world. And it's the real place to which Christ returned at his ascension. Really, heaven is that place. It's the ultimate residence. But let me carry this a little further. This ultimate residence is also a place of ultimate rejoicing. Listen to chapter 16, verse 11. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The Bible says that in heaven there's fullness of joy. There's the path of life. And there is pleasure forevermore. Heaven is going to be a pleasurable place. Let me put it down where you can grab it. Heaven's going to be fun. Huckleberry Finn didn't think so. In the opening chapter of Mark Twain's classic, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, Huck is living with a spinster. She's a starchy, crabby old woman who has determined in her life that her one objective is to transform Huckleberry Finn. And she's going to beat the wildness out of him and fill him full of manners. And the chief way she plans to do this is with religion. So she bludgeons him with Bible verses and she threatens him with hell and she coaxes him with heaven. 
And in his streetwise, cocky way, Huck tells us what he thinks of all that. He says, she went on and told me all about the good place. She said all a buddy would have to do to go there and just go around all day with a harp and sing forever. And I didn't think much of it. And I asked her if she reckoned Tom Sawyer would go there. And she said, not by a considerable sight. And I was glad about that because I wanted him and me to be together. (laughs) When you mention heaven to someone who's not a Christian, let me tell you what their reaction is. And I'll even tell you how it comes out. It comes out like this. Boring. Heaven's going to be boring. I need to tell you, heaven is not going to be boring. Mark Buchanan is a writer that I've read some, and he admits to the fear that heaven might be the extension of modern-day boring church services. In one of his books, he writes, I assume that you're like me. I can get itchy-skinned and scratchy-throated after an hour or so of church. I can get distracted and cranky when it goes too long. My feet ache, my backside numbs, my eyes glaze, my mind fogs, my belly growls. I find myself fighting back yawns and then not fighting them back. Letting them gape and roar a signal to my oppressors, let my people go. (laughs) And I'm the pastor. Unfortunately, there are a lot of Christians who believe that heaven will be boring. All we'll do forever is drum harps and float on clouds and polish the streets of gold. But heaven will not be boring, and I want to tell you why. The greatest book on heaven that's been written in my lifetime was written by a guy named Randy Alcorn and just has the title Heaven. And this is what he says about this whole boring thing. He says... Our belief that heaven will be boring betrays a heresy, that God is boring. And there is no greater nonsense. Now think about this. Your desire, my desire for pleasure and the experience of joy come directly from God's hand. He made our taste buds. He created adrenaline. He gave us our sex drives and the nerve endings that convey pleasure to our brains. Our imaginations and our capacity for joy and exhilaration were made by the very God we accuse of being boring. Are we so arrogant that we imagine that as human beings we came up with fun? Added to the fact that God will not be boring is this amazing truth. Sit up and listen. It's true whether you believe it or not. In heaven, you won't be boring I know that's going to take more faith than what I said about God, but let me tell you something. The Bible teaches that. When you get to heaven, you're not going to be boring either. You know why? The Bible says before you get there, you're going to have a complete, extreme makeover. Amen? The Bible says we're going to be made like unto him. All the things in you that are boring are going to be gone. And when you get to heaven, it's going to be life at the greatest. Everything in heaven will be the absolute opposite of boring. I don't know where we get these ideas, but when you have people come up and tell you that heaven's going to be boring, you just tell them they don't know what they're talking about. Sometimes they even go further. And sometimes you hear people say this, I don't want to go to heaven and be bored every day. I'd rather be with all my friends and party forever and ever. And that's just another one of the devil's lies. 
Because you see, hell is not a place of fun and games where we spend forever drinking with our old buddies. Hell will have no community and no camaraderie and no friendships. In the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 9, we read these words about people who go there. It says, they will be punished with everlasting destruction. Now here's the worst part. And shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power. Think about what it would be like to be locked up in solitary confinement forever and ever and never again to have any friendships or relationships with anyone anywhere. Think about being left alone for eternity with your thoughts and your regrets and your memories and your missed opportunities. When the rich man is seen in Hades in Luke chapter 16, the Bible tells us he is alone. He's by himself. So don't let anybody come with that crazy nonsense. Oh, you guys go to heaven where it's going to be boring and we're going to the other place and we're going to party forever and ever. I promise you the first moment you spend in hell, you will know how absolutely stupid and ridiculous such a thought is. That's not where joy is to be found. Joy is to be found in the presence of the one who made you, who created you for joy, who created you to be filled with rejoicing and pleasure. That's the God we serve, and he's created a place where you can know that to its fullest. And if you miss it, there's no other place where that can be found. Heaven's a place of ultimate residence and ultimate rejoicing. It's also a place of ultimate recognition. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, For now we see in a mirror, but then face to face. We know in part now, but then we will know as we are known. Here's the question people ask me. Pastor Jeremiah, are we going to know each other in heaven? Absolutely. When you go to heaven, you don't lose your identity, your personality, your DNA, who you are. In fact, if you study the Lord Jesus Christ who went through the process we're going to go through before he went back to heaven, you discover that after his resurrection, his disciples all knew who he was. They knew he was the same Jesus they had known before the cross and the burial and the resurrection. And they were so certain about this, they went to their graves defending it. When Moses and Elijah appeared out of heaven to stand with Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration, the disciples with Christ recognized Moses and Elijah. Oh, when you get to heaven, you're going to know each other all right. Matthew 8, 11 says, I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. They're going to know each other, and we're going to know each other. When you get to heaven, you're going to know your parents and your children. You're going to know your brothers and your sisters. You're going to know the people that you grew up knowing, the people that were in the church you attended. And you're going to know so many more, as we'll learn in a moment. But you don't lose your memory when you go to heaven any more than Jesus lost his memory after his resurrection. When you get to heaven, it's the ultimate place of recognition. In fact, in a lady in Tony Evans' church once asked him, if you would know each other in heaven, he said, you won't know each other till you get to heaven the way you really should know each other. Because down here we have all these masks and all these things we use to cover up who we really are. But when you get to heaven, all that stuff will be gone and you'll be able to see the beauty that's in each one of us that God has put there before we started to tamper with it. 
Heaven is the ultimate place of residence and the ultimate place of rejoicing and the ultimate place of recognition. But it's also the place of ultimate relationships. In heaven, we're going to have relationships with one another. Hebrews 12 tells us about some of the people who are going to be in heaven. Notice Hebrews 12, verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion, or to heaven, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly, to the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. That's quite a list. The Bible says basically all the people that have been saved, the angels, God himself, everybody's going to be there. And you've come to that place. And you're going to have relationships with people in heaven. Amen. Amen. You know, I've often think about people wanting to be with God forever, but we don't often think about God wanting us to be with him. I mean, that's the other side of the story. That God's desire is that you be with him forever. You're his creation. You're the crown of his creation. He doesn't want you to miss out on the beauty and joy of eternal life in heaven. So if you're not a Christian today, you need to make your reservation for heaven by asking Jesus Christ to come into your life and forgive you of your sin. Accept him as your savior. Thank him for dying on the cross for you. Acknowledge that he is the son of God and you want him to be your savior. He will do whatever you ask him to do. He'll come and live within your heart. He's never turned anyone away. Let us know about it, will you? See you tomorrow. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, God Loves You, He Always Has, He Always Will, visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Heaven Rules by Nancy DeMoss Wolgamuth and learn to find comfort and courage in this chaotic world. This powerful book is yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, available in several cover options. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue... God loves you, He always has, He always will, here on Turning Point. If you've been blessed by the ministry of Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point, we would love to offer you two free ways to stay connected. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash magazine for a subscription to our monthly Turning Points magazine. Each exclusive issue is filled with encouraging articles and daily devotionals to strengthen your spiritual walk. You can also sign up to receive our daily email devotional and be a part of our community of friends who receive daily encouragement delivered straight to their inbox from Dr. Jeremiah. Written in a thought-provoking manner, this concise yet profound daily devotional delivers the refreshment and focus you need as you go about in today's world. You can join the more than 600,000 monthly subscribers who are building their faith each month through these free resources. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. Through the years, many Christians have asked me how to discover God's will for their life. The well-known Bible teacher, Henry Blackaby, has an answer that is well worth considering. 
He says, Learning to follow God's ways may be more important than making sincere attempts to do His will. God wants to complete His work through you. He can only do that as you adjust your life to Him and to His ways. I agree. When we get in step with God, following His ways in all of our life, we will in time discover His specific calling for our life. God's ways come before God's will. And this is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's ways on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today. Edward Lawler was a minister and leader in the Nazarene Christian denomination. His observation about God's love seems obvious, yet I wonder if we are living it out every day. He said, if God's love is for anybody anywhere, it's for everybody everywhere. If you and I have experienced the love of God in our life, then we qualify as one of the everybody's whom God loves. But it also means we are not to pick and choose whom we love. Through us, God's love is for everybody everywhere. Think about that as you go through your day. Share God's love with the everybody's you meet. And this is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's love on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.